Please listen carefully. And now, live from the Arboretum in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring two droids that someone's probably looking for, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. Mikey over here. And today we continue our series called Head of the Class. Head of the Class. This is where we look through the old Dungeons and Dragons rule cyclopedia. We looked at how basic the classes were there and we decided to do a mind exercise and figure out who, if we're building a party with one character of each class, what fictional character would we put there? Who do we want on our dodgeball team? Who do we want on our on our dodgeball team? Our fantasy dodgeball team to beat the ogres. I hear they're the team to beat this year. I don't know. <laughs> so today um, we're talking about halflings. Yes. So halflings are a fun and interesting thing because unlike some of the other stuff we've talked about, and almost kind of like cleric, as far as the cleric not just being a priest but yep. being a thing in Dungeons and Dragons, halflings are kind of a new thing in the realm of fantasy. Yep, especially as far as this book goes, they're sort of introduced in this book too. So, And they are obviously based on hobbits from Lord of the Rings, obviously, <laughs> to the point that I think they were calling them hobbits and then they had to change it. Uh-oh, they didn't want to get sued. Right. Yep. So this kind of fantasy character has only been around since Lord of the, or the Hobbit in Lord of the Rings was written by Tolkien. So yep. it's a 20th century idea idea okay. and creation. So as such, there's not a lot of lore to pull from. Yeah, there aren't, there aren't ancient halflings in, in mythology. Well, I mean, there may be, but n- yeah. not as easily as some of the other classes yeah. here. There's not as easily as some of them. So and we're, in our mind exercise, when we were thinking of fictional halflings, you end up with just a boatload of hobbits, yep. but we didn't just want to do hobbits. So we kind of stretched our mind a little bit yep. and we kind of had to categorize what we thought was a halfling based on all our Dungeons and Dragons playing and knowledge and reading and things like that. So there's some fun stuff on here and we'll kind of explain when we talk about them why we think it's a halfling versus a dwarf because sometimes some of these things are considered dwarves or gnomes yep. and things that- like that. But in our mind, we pretty much, in categorizing halflings, we categorize dwarves. Yes. The dwarves are the, a little bit more rigid of the structure, I would say. but Right. So dwarves are bearded, kind of grumpy. Worker-based. They like to go in the mines. They like to work with stone. Live underground more often than not. More often than not. So to us, that's, that's a dwarf. Yeah. So a halfling, is, it kind of expanded it to pretty much any little kind of people who aren't dwarves. Yeah, any, anything that's little and not a dwarf. Falls under halfling. Or an elf, because sometimes elves are little. But we have our list. Uh, Do you want to go first, Mikey? I can go first. Okay, so you're number three in your party of... Oh, crap. Oh, uh, We're doing half people, which I figured was half a spot, so I picked six. No, just Uh, kidding. I only picked three. What? How did that... Wait, wouldn't that be... I'm confused. You can put two halflings in one person's spot, so you could have six halflings on your team. But that's just me being silly. I was told there'd be no math in this podcast. (laughs) Ha ha. Here's the silly from Wikipedia, though. The word halfling comes from the Scott word hoflin, H-A-U-F-L-I-N, meaning mm-hmm. an awkward, rustic teenager who is neither man nor boy, and so half of both. He's a man boy. 
but yes, these are little childlike, that's child like child sized person. That's actually interesting because they kind of are awkward, rustic teenagers in the way that they are. Yep. At least in Lord of the Rings. They are very childlike. Interesting. Uh, I'm going to start off quick and easy, but with something a little bit crazy. My first pick for a halfling on my team is going to be the thieving Randall, the leader of the Time Bandits. Oh, oh. Randall, the leader of the Time Bandits. Yep. Great, man. I love that movie. I'm glad you I'm glad you recognize the name and that you do love it because it is great. It is great. Time Bandits was directed by Terry Gilliam, mm. of Monty Python fame, yep. way back in 1981. It's actually part of a trilogy he made between Time Bandits, Brazil, and The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Mm-hmm. So if you've seen any of those, yep. you kind of know what you're getting in the mood for with, with my friend Randall. Uh, he comes from a very crazy fantasy surreal world that has time portals and supreme beings and mm-hmm. the embodiment of evil. But Randall is, like I said, the leader of the Time Bandits. And what the Time Bandits are, they are little people, they are halflings that have, up until now, up until the time of the movie, have been helping God build the universe. Yep. Like, they build trees and shrubberies, <laughs> right? And they help repair the, the space-time fabric or whatever they call it. <laughs> but one day they get bored, and they notice that they have this map of all these time portals, and they say, what are we doing? Let, let's go steal stuff and get rich. They do. Yeah, and that's all, that's all Randall. So Randall sets off with this map. They kidnap a boy named Kevin. I know, and that's probably <laughs> one of the reasons why I loved that movie when I was a kid. <laughs> It's a, hey, calling you out by name. Kevin, <laughs> we need your help. It's like, okay, I'm coming into the TV right now. <laughs> but Randall is the epitome of sort of the halfling, a little bit more thief-based because he's after the all the riches and gold in the world. Mm-hmm. And later on, the most fabulous item in the world, I think, is what they get rused by. But he's grumpy. He's cantankerous. He always wants to be in charge. He wants to tell everybody what to do, which is great. I mean, that that's kind of the, the gung-ho forward thinking i want on my team but he's third because he's probably going to be a handful like he yeah, wants yeah. to be the boss he does not we, only does he meet napoleon do they go to the napoleon times he does sort of have a napoleon complex as well you're gonna ask me something though who's the actor who plays him did you say i did not say randall is played by david rapaport and then the other of the time bandits is fidget strutter og mm-hmm. wally and vermin respectively played by kenny baker malcolm mm-hmm. dixon Mike Edmonds, Jack Purvis, and Tiny Ross. Hopefully you recognize one of those names in that list. I recognize a lot of those names because um, during the 80s, there seemed to be a lot of little people actors being used in a lot of things. Yep. And you'd see a lot of familiar faces, including um, the actor who plays Randall. I've seen him in lots of things. David Rappaport, yep. Yep. And then Kenny Baker, who plays Fidget, was actually the guy that played (laughs) R2-D2. Way to go, R2. So, hooray, Star Wars connection. Time Bandits, Randall, they're great. They're a lot of fun. I would love to hang out with them, and Randall is on my team. That's a good one. Good pick. One more tangent before we switch it over to you, though. Did you know that the Time Bandits were actually written to be based off of the Monty Python crew? Randall is representative of John Cleese. Fidget is the quiet one uh, said to represent Michael Palin. Uh, the self-appointed leader, Randall, is Cleese. The acerbic one, Strutter, is Eric Idle. The quiet one, Og, is Graham Chapman. And the noisy rebel, Wally, is Terry Jones. And, of course, the last filth-loving, nasty vermin is Gilliam himself. <laughs> so go back and watch it with that in mind, because it's actually kind of hilarious. It's like, oh, I'm going to write about my friends and make them little people. That's amazing. I had no idea, and I've seen that movie many, many times. <laughs> so my, my uh, number three pick 
is kind of pushing out there. Yep. This is the, the fun of the mind experiment. I'm I'm picking one of the members of the Lollipop Guild. You're going to represent the Lollipop Guild? Yes. <laughs> I want a representative of the Lollipop Guild. That's great. Now, munchkins are they're more halflings than anything else. Yeah. If you're going to if you're going to put a munchkin in Dungeons and Dragons, you're going to make them a halfling. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, they live in round houses and they're supposed to be really good at woodworking. Sounds like a halfling to me. Yeah, and according to in the books, there's other little people called the Gillikins. Okay. They're supposed to be related to them. And they're known as stone workers who live in square houses. <laughs> that sounds kind of dwarfy to me. Or Wait. gnomish, oh, even, yeah. maybe. Yep. So it just makes me think that it's just interesting. And all this was before Lord of the Rings was written, I think, or at least before it was popular. At least, yeah, at least so, in the same era. I mean. So... Um, no, this is this from like the late 90s. Yeah, no, this is pre. Okay. So there really weren't halflings. There you so go. So maybe munchkins are proto-halflings. Before they had the word for it. I'll so allow it. the Lollipop Guild only shows up in the movie. I was going to say, I don't remember the you were talking about stone workers that cut square houses. The Gilligan's, I don't remember, yeah. There was a lot of Wizard of Oz books. Okay. There's a lot of them. And I haven't read them all, but I know there's a lot of them. Okay. Uh, and But the movie is, I mean, come on. Yeah. The, that's... One of the granddaddy movies of them all, Where's the Boz? One of the classics, one of the ones I grew up watching really, really little. I know. So, but how can you not remember the Lollipop Guild? They're the three. <laughs> they're the three toughest looking Munchkins, which is why I put them. I want them on a, in a party. Yep. They they come out and you know, they got their they got their like the Popeye face going on. So you know they mean business. They mean business, and their shirts and pants are all wrapped up and. <laughs> He ripped his hands on lollipop girl. The lollipop girl. <laughs> yeah, they have that really stern, like, stompy dance when they're yeah. singing, too. It's like, her, her, her. <laughs> I get it. Yeah, so uh, there's, there's not much on the lollipop guild out there when I was doing research for this, but I specifically picked one of them. Okay. I didn't even know they had names. That's great. Well, there's three of them. Well, I don't think they have names as members, but there's, yes. there's three of them. And I'm picking the one on the right. <laughs> I watched the movie. Okay. He's wearing a blue shirt. And uh, he, he was portrayed by Harry Dill. Okay. Oh, Harry Dahl. Harry Dahl. And he's the one who looks like he has horns. His hair is kind oh, of curved yeah. into horns. I remember and that And he looks like the toughest of the three. And he's wearing a different... The other guys are wearing variations of plaid. He's just okay. wearing a plain blue shirt. Yep. And it's got some kind of symbol. or I don't know if it's supposed to be a patch. It's got something on it. I don't know. It's it's part of the Assassin's Guild that you don't see. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. See, it seems to me like some kind of symbol on there that <laughs> says he's some somebody. And even though he's not the one who uh, presents the lollipop to Dorothy, ah. I don't know. I think that one right there. <laughs> and as a bonus, they have they have surprise candy. I mean, if they're going to be pulling candy out and handing it out around, that's somebody you want to be hanging out in your party. <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's that's who I'm picking. I like Harry Dahl's blue shirted lollipop guild member. Who we're calling the right munchkin, a la kind of like Katy Perry's left shark. Yeah. They're just going to be like, hey, right munchkin, come here. He's <laughs> like, I have a name. He's like, I don't care. Your name is right munchkin. Right munchkin. I like it. My second kind of ties into your third, so we'll just go ahead and transition. To rival your lollipop guild, I'm going with another crew of little people that come out of the shadows and get things done, I'm going with Oompa Loompas. 
Now, like your Lollipop Guild, I don't think they have names either. So I will just take one unless for some reason we can gather a, like a, 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 a bushel of them. Maybe I could have a couple, but... Now, point, okay. of, point of matter. Let's do it. Are you taking the orange Oompa Loompas? Or, or or the new where there was only one or or, or that one guy it was that one guy Deep Roy shout yeah. out to Deep Roy in Tim Burton's Charlie and the Chocolate Factory right uh, I am going old school I'm going Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory and the orange yeah. green haired Oompa yes, Loompas you're getting a high five for me because yep. in my mind those are the only Oompa Loompas yep those are the OG those are the classic but kind of like your Lollipop Guild Oompa Loompas come out when exactly when they're needed. They take care of things exactly. Yeah. I need you to take care of this. And they do it. <laughs> and the whole time, they're singing songs. So I don't know if that means they're barred multi-class later. <laughs> I'm going to go with it because the songs usually apply to all their situations, and they're oddly specific, and they make you feel better. It's like, hmm, maybe I won't guzzle down a bunch of sweets. because. Oh, they all have a moral to them, too. I don't want to be as fat as, you know, that's what an elephant eats. So. The mother and the father. The mother <laughs> and the father. <laughs> exactly. See, how would you not want that in your party? Like, if something goes wrong, you get a, a, a little trio of Oompa Loompas to sing a song about how you failed. That's amazing. And I think Futurama actually did a little spoof on this with their Oompa Loompas. But I'd always imagine, like, behind the scenes when the Oompa Loompas go away, like, in the walls of the factory, they're just up to no good, like... Fight Club kind of gambling and just nefarious sort of underworld for Oompa Loompas outside of the chocolate factory. I mean, my mind's going a million miles Let's in different it. directions. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking of like, <laughs> I never thought of them like just the singing <laughs> with what's going on in the situation. Yeah, Sitting there in your party and they're like, Oompa Loompa doopity din. We shouldn't have stole from that dragon. There you go. You know? See? <laughs> While you're like running. You're like, shut up and run. You get to laugh while you're being terrified and, and fleeing. Yeah. That, oh, sounds like a great party dynamic for me. And they work for Cocoa Beans. I mean, that comes from the story. We were talking about the originals versus Deep Roy's. Uh, Tim Burton won. Tim Burton actually did the origin of the, the Oompa Loompas correct. So... They, they qualify as halfling because they come from a wooded land called Loompa Land, and they have they don't have cocoa beans, so that's like their uh, <laughs> that's their delicacy and their commerce, their barter system. So they get paid for peanuts, chocolate peanuts. It's gonna be great. Oh my goodness, that's a good one. My belly hurts from giggling about this. Oh my goodness gracious. So I'll have, to, I'll have to have the Oompa Loompas draft up a song about my final party. Maybe they can have fun, something funny to say about Dresden or Rocky. <laughs> That's solid. My, my number two is a fellow named Willow Uffgood. I know that name. Willow Uffgood uh, was portrayed by Warwick Davis in the movie Willow. <laughs> Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Uh, the Ron Howard directed George Lucas written film. Oh, I didn't know George Lucas wrote it. That's he wrote the great. story, but not the screenplay, which is ah. why it's probably so good. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, um, so, Willow, if if you haven't seen, if you're listening to this and haven't seen Willow, go pause right now and go watch Willow and then come <laughs> back. Because it's one of those, and I had no idea, because I always love Willow, but I had no idea that it didn't actually do that well when it came out, and it's actually become what's known as a cult movie. Oh, okay. So it became more beloved after the fact. Yeah, more beloved after the fact. So, But 
Man, I love Willow. I literally sat down and watched it last night with my family. Okay. To uh, to see, because I wasn't sure if Willow was going to be my number one or number two. But it held up? Willow does hold up the special effects. My kids were saying the CGI is horrible, and I'm like, that is not CGI. <laughs> yeah, that was back in the days of practical effects. Yeah, there's a lot of practical effects and things going on. But the, other than the, uh, as far as storyline goes and the fact that they were smart, like, George Lucas always was used classical music. Oh yeah, it holds up. The story, okay. the story's still great. The humor's still there. The music doesn't. The reason why I bring up the music is because I don't know if you've seen like Lady Hawk or oh, yeah. one of those <laughs> things that uses like synthesized very eight. It just it, you can instantly place wh- yeah, what decade it came from. They kind of need to. I think if they rescored it, like Lady Hawk, it would. Would have yeah. lasted longer. I got you. And gone more like Willow. No, no offense against Lady Hawk. That's a great movie too. But. <laughs> So um, Willow is, they're not called hobbits or halflings. They're called Newellen. It's hard to say. Newellen? Spell it out for me. N-E-W-L-Y-N? Okay. When they say it in the movie, it sounds like they say Elwyn. Elwyn, okay. But it has an N in front. Yep. So we'll just go with Elwyn because it's easier to say. And and on Wikipedia, and I have a problem with whoever put this on Wikipedia, (laughs) after after it it says Elwyn, it says dwarf in parentheses nope those aren't dwarves I, they live they live in a village in these round wooden it, it looks like aka a, a shire yeah, it looks like a shire and when willow's getting at the very beginning when willow's planting his crops and he's getting chewed out by that big mare guy oh yeah he threatens to make him work in the mines which to a dwarf wouldn't be a threat that yep. would be like a privilege or a yep a step up yeah. <laughs> you get you get more a promotion <laughs> So Willow is he's this good family man. He's got his wife and two kids yep. and he's he they find this they find this Daikini baby, which is a human. They find this Daikini baby and at first he's like, well, I don't know what to do, but he's he has a good heart. Yep. So he's like, We need to take care of it and then come to find out that it causes those weird those they look like rodents of unusual size, those <laughs> roos. Those dogs. That, that come and the, oh, I remember those. Those are so creepy. Yeah. yeah, and one of them comes right into the village, and then the, you get to see a cool combat with like the. And that's the thing too is that the the way that they got their spears and the way they fight and everything it just it just seems very halfling to me. Yep. So the 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 thing is is Willow he, I, he and he's uh, trying to be a sorcerer too. That's kind of interesting too. So working on get, that multi class. Yeah, working on that multi class, but. He's like I say, he's a good family man. He's brave. Yes, he's true. Yep. One knock against him, which I think kind of put him put him down from uh-uh. my number one. Is okay, he's a little bit gullible. Yeah, uh, he, he, he should he should not have trusted Mad Mardigan. To, <laughs> but I mean, he was at the end of his rope, and I think he wanted to go home. Yep. But at the, but he knew it was wrong. You could tell he knew it was, but he still. That's the naivete of of half people. Yeah, it was it was kind of naive. But anyway, and the thing is, is he wanted like this baby to go to a good place even before he knew it was a Lord Dan and the future Empress. There you go. So and he, he's a trickster, and he knows how to. That's the thing. That's the thing that really yeah. that that really gets it is at the end. Spoilers. Like <laughs> I already told you to pause it and go watch Willow. <laughs> at the end, he's the one who thinks about digging those holes yep. and to put the army under it yep. and putting the tents on top, so it looks like they've gone. So just he and the old wizard lady are out there. Yep. 
And of course, they come out to get him, and they open the gate, and then the spring the trap. They spring the trap. It was great. It was he thought of that. That's good strategy. It was great strategy, to the point that Eric is his name. I think yeah, Eric the blonde. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mad Morgan's frenemy. <laughs> <laughs> the, he's like he's like it'll never work. I'm not doing it. Yep. And so, but it did work. Just because you doubt somebody of their little stature doesn't mean they can't accomplish big deeds. And then at the end, it's so brilliant with his dis- the old disappearing pig trick. Yep. Where he <laughs> takes the baby and he's confronting, and, and she's like, give me the baby. Yep. And and then he does his, it was so well written, too, because they show him do the disappearing pig trick at the beginning. He gets laughed at for it because the pig comes out from under the... Pay attention, that'll thing. be important later. It was great. It's great. The movie holds up great. Everyone should see it. There you go. I like Will. It was hard for me not to put him at number one, but maybe when you hear my number one, you'll understand why I didn't. But I think I think Willow we're going to the be, same area with number one. Willow would be really solid. Oh, for in sure. In a party, his last name is of good. That means he's of good. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not bad. <laughs> he's made of good, of good stock. Of good stock. So uh, I think we're hitting your number one now, right? My number one, and I think it'll tie into your number one because we are talking about halflings. I do think we have to go. We have to pay tribute to the classics, and that would be The Hobbits. Mm-hmm. My I, So we're picking one because we only have one spot. And so my favorite of the Lord of the Ring Hobbits is going to be Peregrine Took. That is a good choice. Known to his friends as Pippin. Mm-hmm. A nice Charles Dickens name. It is a nice Charles Dickens name. <laughs> but Pippin is my pick, one, because he's the tallest hobbit out of all hobbits. Learn that from the book. Actually, I forgot that was a thing. Did you know that was a thing? That he was the tallest hobbit all of all of him and Mary. Because when okay, hopefully we're all we're talking about everybody's familiar with Lord of the Rings, at least the movies, because they did a pretty good job translating them. So they did a pretty good job, actually. Yeah. So in the movies and in the book, when they meet up with Treebeard, mm-hmm. point in his favor, he hangs out with tree creatures. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So the him and Treebeard go take out Isengard, but apparently they start drinking Ent Drought, mm-hmm. which is their the and drink, and it makes the hobbits grow, mm-hmm. Merry and Pippin, but because they're the only two that drank it, they're technically like two inches taller than every other hobbit. Oh. They stand at four foot six as opposed to four foot five <laughs> or something. So technically, on uh, on the internet, Pippin is one of the tallest hobbits in existence. So oh, I'm going to add that to my Pippin point scale. I actually saw, when I was uh, looking up hobbits, I saw that that his name is not pronounced how it was pronounced in the movie. Pippin? No, the last name, Took. Took? Oh, yeah. But it's not Took. Yep. It's Took. It is Took. Like a Canadian's hat. <laughs> Got a Took on your head. But that's with a Q, maybe. I don't know. But if I'm not wrong, in the movie, doesn't Gandalf say fool of a Took? He does. He doesn't say fool of a Took? Nope. Hmm. He should say, well, he does say fool of a Took because that's the cool phrase. I don't I don't know. doesn't sound the same when you say fool of a Took. <laughs> sounds like you're saying it weird. It sounds like you're Canadian. You fool of a toque. <laughs> what are you doing with my maple syrup? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, if you have a catchphrase that's you that that's yelled when you get in trouble, that sounds like my kind of friend. So, <laughs> But that's Pippin. Pippin seems to cause all kinds of calamity, and like he's the catalyst for a lot of events throughout the series, and it's all because he's inquisitive, doesn't know any better, has to look, has to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. But it always usually usually works out, even when it is disastrous. He's the one that, you know, un, uh, makes Sauron find them by looking in that uh, palantir, the little orb. Mm-hmm. So, sort of loses points for being the one that blows everybody's cover, I guess. Yeah. 
But then he makes up for it. He becomes a guard of the Citadel. He saves uh, yeah, Faramir's life. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that does it for me, this is really what I want to harp on about Pippin, is for my money, Pippin has the coolest scene in the entire trilogy. And that's in the Two Towers when he's singing Pippin's song, The Edge of Night, for the king while he's feasting. And then there's a battle going on, and they sort of splice between him singing and people dying in battle. Mm-hmm. And it's very heavy and very emotional. And I think, I think that's a great scene and a great example of Pippin's character staying bright and hobbity and halfling and trying times that's what I'm picking up oh awesome solid so my number one is not Frodo oh I thought it was going to be Frodo what do you mean Frodo's the best no Frodo would have (laughs) been nothing without my topic Samwise Gamgee Samwise Gamgee portrayed in the movies by Sean Astin admirably well. I think he did a wonderful job portraying this great hobbit. As Sean Astin is wont to do. He's a great actor. So, I mean, from gardener to greatness (laughs) is Samwise Gamgee. How can... uh, I I just have always loved this character. Yes. And I never really looked into it until I was researching this, and I found out a lot of neat things. Okay, about that to- that Tolkien talking. Tolkien, it's Tolkien. That Tolkien thought. Tolkien. See, you say it different. You said like token, like yeah, it's a like thing. An arcade token, like an arcade token, which isn't right. It's like Tolkien or whatever. Tolkien. I'm Tolkien. <laughs> I'm deaf. It doesn't count. <laughs> so, so the, the the thing about Sam is that he was based on Batman. Not Batman. Not okay. I was about you were about <laughs> to blow my mind. He's based on Batman. This is amazing. I changed my choice. No, uh, apparently, um, in 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 the British military at the time of Tokyo when he was in yeah. it, mm-hmm. the officers had a Batman. A, a, it was a basically an assistant. Okay, I, I don't want to call it a servant because it was like a, but they it was like an it was basically an an attaché, an assistant. It was mm-hmm. an enlisted man. Okay. Who helped the officer? Ah, okay. And that's where like the Mister Frodo comes from and stuff like that. Because technically, Frodo was an upper class hobbit okay. compared to Sam. Because Sam because was a gar- gar- Sam was a gardener. That's right. And Frodo was like he, he knew how to read. And actually, Frodo taught Sam how to read. Nice. That's how they were like friends. Very cool. But the thing was is that Tolkien saw Sam as the chief hero. Of his books. Oh, yeah. He's the secret weapon for sure. I can yeah. get behind that. And this is based on his military service and seeing how these Batmen were, in his mind, better than the officers they served. Because of what they were doing. And because what... of what they were doing. And the officers could not have accomplished any of their tasks if it weren't for these Batmen. That's so crazy. That's literally what Sam does for Frodo in the books. And it sounds like Batman, so cool either way you look at it. <laughs> but the... I mean, Sam is, he's so, he's the toughest of the hobbits. Yep. Physically yep. and emotionally. Yep. He's loyal to a fault. Yep. Uh, he's, he's, uh, this is where, this is where Willow lost points. <laughs> uh-uh. Sam is smart enough not to trust Gollum. Yeah. He doesn't trust him ever. He's got a bit, he's got a bit of realistic sort of predisposition. And he's, to him. and he was right. He was. He was right not to trust him. Them tricksy hobbits is. <laughs> and so, and, He's the only one who resisted the ring. 
Oh, it's true. And he he bore it for a while. He did, and he bore it, and then gave it up willingly. That's true. He's the only he's the only being to have ever done that. There you go. Even Gandalf didn't want to touch the ring because he knew it would corrupt him. That bring that brings our Hobbit buddies closer together because Pippin is also the only person in the Lord of the Rings trilogy to directly talk to Sauron hmm. through the that little eyeball thing. He was, yeah. the, he was the only one to actually talk to the actual being. But that's crazy. That's good on Sam. That's why I had to pick Sam. He to me is, and the reason why I I brought up Sean Astin because, and I think he did such a good job of portraying what's written in the book. Yes, and the thoughts that Tolkien had about this, that he was just so, he's like so supportive of Frodo. Mm-hmm. He's he's so loyal. I mean, to the point that people act like there's some kind of more relation. <laughs> We're talking <laughs> best friends, people. Yeah. The, and that's the thing too, everybody. Yep. No, I'm not trying to cast judgment on anything, but guess what? Two men can be super good friends and be like brothers without... Anything else happening? Especially because I didn't know the whole Tolkien like military base to the story, or yeah. at least you know his experience in forming his writing. That makes a whole lot of sense. That's like bonded through battle type brotherhood type stuff. Mm-hmm. That's pretty awesome. One thing I found that was really neat is that he so Gamgee is actually what when he was growing up, what they used to call what they call cotton wool, cotton balls. Oh, okay, in England, just like it's first of all, it's fun to see a writer does what. We kind of do too. What are we like <laughs> when we're making our characters where we just kind of look at like, uh, okay, I see a water bottle <laughs> and a green grottle. Grottle. There you go. There's my character. And you mix, <laughs> so whatever. But what's interesting is because Gamgee is actually, a, it's actually a, a last name. Okay. And he got a letter from someone named Sam Gamgee. Oh, no. Like in real life. In real life. And he said like, I haven't read your novels yes because this was early as well he goes i haven't read your novels but i hear that you have my name in it and he wrote him back and he said i want you to know this is where a lot of this chief hero stuff comes from he's like i want you to know that that he talks about how steadfast he talks about all how glowingly you know this is a huge hero that so he was was letting the real samwise gamgee in on the secret that the samwise gamgee who was writing was going to be the coolest character in the book sort of in a a way he just but then the funny thing is is that Tolkien said he he basically was like I'm not going to quote it but he said I worry about the day that I get a letter from S. Gollum and have to explain (laughs) what his character in the book is like (laughs) if there's somebody out there named Schmeagol I would like to meet you Schmeagol Gollum that sounds amazing (laughs) and guess what you're going to be on my fantasy party team if you are a real person (laughs) So that's that's super interesting though. That's very cool on token, and the fact that there's a real Sam Gamgee out there. Yeah, I wonder if he's still kicking around. That'd be great. We should find out. Maybe he's on the internet. <laughs> Maybe he has an Instagram. Maybe we can friend request him. In doing my research before the show, I did plug both of our names into a Hobbit name generator. Really? Yep. What happened? Uh, my Hobbit name is Lotho Greenhand. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, a family closely related to the Gamgees. I don't know why that makes me laugh. Because I think it's Hobbit names. But no, but the Lotho part. Lotho. Man, I, Lotho. L-O-T-H-O. Okay. Your name, according to the Hobbit name generator at namegeneratorfun.com slash Hobbit, is Fortinbras Brockhouse. <laughs> Fortinbras? That's your first name. Your last name is Brockhouse. 
Found in both the Shire and Bree, the name means badger house and refer to the similarity between hobbit holes and badger dwellings. <laughs> so you're a badger of a hobbit. I'll never be able to remember that. That's too... That's why I wrote it down. Lotho Greenhands. Yeah. Lotho, wait, that sounds like a disenchantment elf who doesn't like anything. <laughs> I don't want to. I loathe all these things. <laughs> Lotho. <laughs> no, sir, I don't like it. That's what Lotho does. <laughs> so, yeah, Fortinbras Brockhouse. That's your hobbit name. All right. So, so I got Sam at the in my party, yep. and you have Pippin. Pippin in your party. A fool of a took. A fool of a took. He's out, he is a fool, but that's the great attitude. He's always like, right, wait, where are we going? All right. So let's see if we can remember what our parties look like. Do it. I have my magic user is Neville Longbottom. Correct. My fighter is Brienne of, Bri- so. Brienne of Tarth. My thief thief is <laughs> the Artful Dodger. The Artful Dodger. And my cleric is... My cleric is Chirrut Emway. Chirrut Emway, yes. And now my halfling is Sam Gamgee. Sam Gamgee. That is a crazy party. The secret heart of your team, he better be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so to tit for tat, I'll run down my team as well. Uh, for my magic user, I have Harry Dresden. For my fighter, I have Rocky Balboa, the Italian stallion. For my thief, I have Lies of Loch Lamore. For my cleric, I have Preacher from the comics Preacher, Jesse Custer. And then for my halfling is Peregrine Took, Pippin, a fool of a Took. Fun. And we are going to use our Photoshop slash artistic skills to put together a nice little <laughs> picture of yep. our party when we're done with this. we got to get the, the squad picture, yep. So everyone, uh, hit us up on social media. Tell us about what party you're making. We've had some... Uh, comments already on Facebook and Twitter. That's awesome. Keep that up. Yes, please. Uh, if you if you like the podcast, go to iTunes or Spotify or Podomatic and comment on it, rate it, like it, share it. We really appreciate all of our listeners. This is a super fun thing to do. Yep, and very we, much. we're glad that you are liking it too. So you can find us on the social medias at Assuming Pod. You can Gmail us, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Gmail. We want to thank Jazzar for doing our intro-outro music. We want to thank that guy for doing our announcements. And we want to thank you for listening. Say something awesome. Something awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to think of something hobbity. Have a nice day. You too, Mr. Frodo. Uh, Let's see. Uh, I don't think hobbits have a greeting. Top of the morning to you. Half of the afternoon to you. (laughs) (laughs) Hello. We live in a state of confusion. Okay, let me get all settled here. Okay, here we go. I'm feeling Mark Marini over here. Disgruntled or juicy? Juicy. Okay. In five, four, three, two.